Welcome to the second episode of the Stay in Teaching podcast, sponsored by the Northwest Arkansas Writing Project. In this episode, we'll hear from a second-year teacher about the impact that mentoring and professional relationships has had on her teaching. We'll also hear from participants of the first Stay in Teaching Ed Camp about their experiences and the professional learning at that event. Finally, we'll listen in on a conversation between participants at our recent summer retreat as they talk about why they keep coming back to the teaching profession. I'm Tyler McBride, and I'll be your host for this episode. Stay in Teaching is an initiative of the Northwest Arkansas Writing Project, or NWAWP, and is funded by the Building New Pathways to Leadership Design Challenge grant from the National Writing Project. Nationwide, 30-40% to 40% of teachers leave the profession within their first five years of teaching. This creates a revolving door of less experienced teachers, and it means that the teaching profession will soon be facing a deficit of veteran teachers and teacher leaders. Stay in Teaching is working to create a support system in the Writing Project for early career teachers through mentoring, networking, and professional learning. We hope to start a movement that will extend beyond Arkansas to help early career teachers become involved in leadership and stay in the profession. To start our episode today, here's a reflection from early career teacher Amanda Coughlin. Nothing is more exciting than knowing that you just graduated from college and you're going to meet with the superintendent to sign on the dotted line to secure your first teaching job. You spend countless late nights and early mornings up in your classroom trying to prepare it for every student that will walk through your door as the start of school approaches. As I'm on the back end of my second year of teaching, I would still argue to say that that was one of the most exciting moments. And I wouldn't have exchanged those late nights for anything. However, no amount of internship hours or college classes will prepare you for the exact feeling that you have once you own, once you have your own classroom. When I look back on my teaching career so far, I feel as though I've gained a wealth of knowledge as related to the field of teaching as well as learning things about myself. Valuable mentoring partnerships is something that stays near and dear to my heart. I'm currently teaching special education in the resource classroom setting for K-5. through there is not another teacher that does the same job as me in the building, and I fall somewhere between the general education classroom setting and a self-contained classroom. Finding a mentor that could guide me through all of the things that are required of a special education teacher while still understanding the academic content that I was asking my children to do was hard. I had a given mentor the first year, as every first-year teacher does. Through this mentorship, I was able to gain a great insight into the general education world of teaching and the school environment, but I still sought out another mentorship. I needed one that wasn't a requirement, one that understood my job. I found that you don't just have to have one mentor, and they aren't all going to serve the same purpose for you. The speech pathologist in my building provided my special education mentorship that I needed. She helped me know when I had deadlines that I needed to meet and when I needed to be sending things home with my students. The music teacher in my building provided me with my mentoring friendship. We were hired the same year, and we were really only the two hires that did not fit into a specific grade level or content area. We don't teach the same content, and we don't even collaborate with the same colleagues. But he understands the same pressures and is in the same spot in life that I am. That's a mentorship that is often overlooked, but extremely valuable to an early career teacher. I could continue on for hours about the various mentors that I have gained through these first two years, but these two sum up the bulk of what, is, what I felt as though I needed. I also formed many valuable mentor mentorships through the National Writing Project of Northwest Arkansas. I first participated in an event for the Writing Project through hashtag stay in teaching. At this meeting, I was able to connect with other early career teachers that were feeling the same stress as I was. 
We're all from different areas, all different levels, and all different content areas. It was reassuring to know that it's not just me, not just my school, not just my position that feels these that feel these same stresses. Then later that summer, I participated in the traditional summer institute for the writing project. I gained even more colleagues from this experience. I found commonalities in people that are teaching college-level courses. I was pushed to expand my knowledge and be flexible in my thinking for how various things could apply to my classroom. I'm a relationship person. I like having relationships with people from various backgrounds and experiences. I like being able to revisit relationships that have been formed to further myself as an educator and as an individual. I have an appreciation in relationships that are formed professionally and personally. They are valuable, all of them. We can learn from each other, and the National Writing Project allowed me to find others that think about writing instruction the same way that I do. It allowed me to find a network that is continuously growing for myself as an educator, and for that, I'll be forever thankful. Back in April, educators from all over Arkansas gathered at Fayetteville High School at the first EdCamp sponsored by the Stay in Teaching Initiative. EdCamps are participant-driven professional development. In this unconference format, all the sessions are planned on the day of the event based on what participants want to learn and discuss with others. We interviewed a few of the participants, and now they'll share their favorite things about the day and their biggest takeaways. Uh, my name is Callie Edwards, and I teach at Woodland Academy, and I think one of the things I took away that I'm planning to use in my own classroom is how to um, plan my planning time and how to use it effectively to meet all my standards and my goals I need to get done. Um, the thing I liked about um, EdCamp was just the um, compilation and everyone gathering together and just having um, a family of teachers that you can ask and rely on to give you knowledgeable information. My name is Jean Hill. I teach in Springdale Public Schools. Um, one takeaway I took from today was the integration of flexible seating in my classroom. I realized I was doing that without even knowing that I was and I look forward to next steps of implementation. One thing I learned today is it's okay to be vulnerable and share and build ideas across districts, buildings, and grade levels, and I look forward to continuing that experience in my professional development. My name is Lauren Boatwright, and I'm currently student teaching at Central Junior High in Springdale. And I really liked um, Ed Camp because the teachers got to choose the topics of every class, and they it was very fluid in that you could go from one class to another within the ses session, so you could really hit everything you wanted. Um. Okay, uh, my name is Peyton Allen. I'm an English teacher at Van Buren High School. I teach 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. 12th graders, they're crazy. Um, my favorite part about this ed tech was probably that it was quote-unquote student-led, um, meaning it was led by us. Um, I think new teachers especially just need that community to talk to each other and support each other in our, you know, in our first, second, third year struggles. Um, and as far as my takeaway, we've really talked a lot about our specific projects, um, and I think that I can incorporate a lot of them, especially into my classroom. Um, just very creative minds here with very creative outlets, um, and I, I for sure learned some lesson plans that I'll take for my second and third year of teaching. So.
last segment today, let's listen in on a conversation I had with a few early career educators at our Stay in Teaching summer retreat in June. Okay, we are here at the summer 2017 Stay in Teaching Early Career Teacher Retreat at the historic uh, Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Um, so first, we're just going to go around and uh, introduce ourselves. I'm Tyler McBride. Katie Hill. Victoria Ballinger. Amanda Coughlin. And uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about um, what the Staying Teaching Initiative is, why some teachers leave the profession, and then um, why we stay in teaching. Um, so the first question for the group, um, why do you think early career teachers, so many of them are leaving the profession? I think a lot of uh, early career teachers leave the pr profession due to a sense of isolation. Um, as individuals, as people, we need to feel connected to something larger than ourselves and to feel like we're contributing something valuable to that community as well. Um, and I think as new teachers, um, we often feel disconnected from our communities, our schools, sometimes our classrooms, sometimes our professional communities. And so a lot of them leave and go to find or seek that connection elsewhere. I think that sense too, what we talked about um, so far at the retreat of that, wanting that sense of autonomy as um, a new teacher and being able to have that and thrive that and get in that environment where you can know what you're doing, what's best for your students and find that balance is really important and sometimes um, new teachers in the career don't necessarily have that and become bogged down with that and may choose to leave as a result of that. I think going back to like the connections, um, mentors are a valuable part of that. Um, and maybe not assigned mentors, but uh, even just the natural mentors that uh, you come across, someone that you can share ideas with in a comfort, like comfortable zone where you're okay and um, vulnerable yourself to feedback, and they're vulnerable to giving, um, you know, critiquing your lesson maybe in a, a difficult way. Um, but that's how we learn sometimes, so just this valuable mentorship. I think um, going back to what uh, Katie was saying too about feeling isolated, I think what contributes to that too is that the teaching profession sometimes is so devalued. Like I've had people say to me like, oh, well, why don't you just make it fun for your kids? Like that's not what teaching is, it's a lot harder than that. So I think that contributes to the, the isolation and the feeling like, like no one understands what you're going through too. I was reading an article the other day, um, I don't remember what it was, but it was talking about like movies and commercials and how it's hard for teachers um, anyway to get past those stereotypes of like, um, just just uh, make it fun or you know, like you're just babysitting or you're just or you have to save the world. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it's either a really glorified position of teaching, you know, in a low income, school and they change the world and they make all these kids all of a sudden want to come to school and um, that's not a realistic expectation but neither is um, I can think of that movie with Cameron Diaz in it where she just comes and like sits her head on the table and like the kids watch movies all yeah <laughs> it's like that's not that's not what we do either um, and nobody really knows until they step into your classroom until you're inviting them into your classroom and then it's like Wow, like, that, like this is what you do all day. Um, yeah. 
So what do you all think would make a teacher or would make you come to that breaking point where you feel like you have to leave the profession? Like what, where's that point or why do teachers get to that point? Uh, I mean, from personal experiences, it's almost like, uh, it's almost that feeling like you don't want to get up and go to work. Like you don't want to, um, or like you dread something, like when you're dreading something or uh, you're dreading an observation or you're dreading something that's supposed to, that's designed to be not easy by any means and not something that you look maybe look forward to but as a learning opportunity that's gotten um, like morphed into a negative um, and I think when it starts taking a toll on like your personal like health or your personal mindset and I don't know, I mean, I think it just, it was, you know, it's something that you have to be able to overcome yourself. You have to look, take a step back and be like, is this really what, can I keep doing this and still be myself and still be happy and still enjoy doing other things that I always enjoy doing? Um, and if you can't, then, I mean. Yeah. yeah, I think it reminds me of something you said yesterday in your interview, how, the reason that you were able to keep going after your first year of teaching was you had some kind of hope or some possibility of something else, um, some new opportunity in teaching. And I think whenever people become hopeless, like they don't see any way that it's going to be better or um, they've completely lost themselves, um, that's whenever they leave, I think. I've, I've heard a lot of early career teachers say that before. And I'm assuming too it's almost like feeling like it's like hitting this brick wall of not being able to go past that and just from my own experiences I haven't had my own classroom yet but I've heard similar stories and um, just feeling um, like you were saying if you don't have that maybe that connection just even if where you are in your building or whatnot that um, it's hard to keep that positive internalization if it's not there. Yeah. So all of us have worked in education, three of us as teachers, one of us as, a, as an instructional aide, and we've all faced those challenges and, and difficulties and stress of the job. So my, next, my last question for the group is, what makes you keep coming back? What makes you stay in teaching or stay in education? Um, for me, I talked a lot, I started this discussion by talking about a lot of times teachers feel a disconnect. And so for me, I felt disconnected for a while, especially my first year. And it, like Amanda had said, after um, I had developed this kind of authentic mentor um, relationship with a teacher at my school, then I started meeting some of her friends that felt the same way, and then I started developing other networks um, on social media. And then um, kind of also rediscovering or reconnecting with myself and my own educational philosophy, why I got into it in the first place. Um, all of those things led me to want to stay in teaching. I think too, especially being so new in the profession, not having my own classroom yet, but being able to collaborate with other teachers and feeling like if I've worked with a student and there's been a setback of the opportunity um, to talk to other teachers, or even when I've co-taught, of being like, oh, hey, maybe this didn't go as well. I love when I've looked at teachers as my mentors and they've said, you know, that's happened to me and then this is how I broke it down and what I did next time. 
and I think that's great the opportunity to then apply after getting that feedback is why I want to stay in the profession. I know it's kind of stereotypical like you ask any teacher oh why do you teach and they always say oh I teach for the kids but I think that's one of the reasons I keep coming back is you know I teach seventh graders and they get on my nerves sometimes like any seventh graders do but I just always keep thinking you know those kids the kids who act out they need my help even that much more because you know they need an adult who's a positive influence in their life and they don't they might not have that at home and uh, I think that's just what keeps motivating me and keeps coming keeps making me want to come back every year yeah to keep having a positive my effect. first year I wrote about this in my letter to myself as a first year teacher um, ultimately that first year it was a reconnection or a connection with a student some students that I made that had been a really rough group it was my eighth period class and there was one day where I just threw my lesson plan out that I had spent hours planning the night before about poetry and um, we just Told stories we wrote they wrote six word memoirs and we shared them and I don't know something about like connecting with them as people and then they were connecting with each other they were saying that I was a person and it really reminded me why I do this in the first place so I definitely agree with that yeah as cliche as it was that's exactly what I wrote I mean I don't know a teacher that wouldn't say that they don't come to work because they like they don't like kids um, but we spend more than double, I mean, as an elementary teacher, I definitely spend more than double the time that they probably are even at home with their parents spending, you know, eight hours is more than most of them probably see mom or dad or one or the other or bo both. So, um, and I think like on my personal, like writing a personal narrative on my literacy, like literacy in my life, and it wasn't something that wasn't available to me like it was always readily available I always had paper I always had pencils or crayons or books or um, whatever but being in the classroom I know that that's not how it is for everybody um, and I feel like every child deserves that same opportunity to have those things available for them and to have somebody encouraging to continue to do those things um, because I wouldn't be able I mean I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if my parents hadn't done that for me so I want, so I want someone to tell them the same things. It's like an honor too to be able to do something that's bigger than ourselves. And like you were saying, that the positive cyclical effect of the benefits um, of having, if you've had a strong community or parents who've supported you, but then getting to present that, like it doesn't end there. It's like a seed that keeps growing and growing. Um, and sometimes along with that come these unexpected things or these stressful moments. But with that, um, and I feel like I've already gotten insight just being an instructional aid too um, and being able to talk with students and get to know them and I feel like that is a great way to open doors into new learning and then I'm like oh, okay I know why the student likes this activity it, it's exciting to see when the students are eager about it and I feel like that's one reason why we're super jazzed about the profession. Okay well thank you all for participating in our conversation today and taking this time to talk for our podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for Stay in Teaching or at Stay in Teaching. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to share it with a fellow educator and be sure to use the hashtag StayInTeaching on social media. We look forward to your voice being included in the ongoing conversation about keeping quality teachers in our profession.